The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Makai Becton, ladies and gentlemen, human beings that large should not run as fast as Makai Becton did. And if you like people just abusing other humans, the Makai Becton tape is for you. Denzel Mims with another monster score of 70 yards. Quick pass to Crowder trying to get him out of the space. Slopes a tackle, and there he goes. Crowder, it's a foot race, and Crowder is in there. A 69-yard touchdown. Takes a shot. Here's Corey Davis, wide open. Davis. Still going, and he's in for the touchdown. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know that's the q Oh, my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the playlikeajet.com digital studios, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1. And it's time for part two of the weekend mailbag. And this weekend, the very big deal is off. He's recovering from getting his shot. He will be back next week. But in his place, it's the host of Pace's Playbook over on the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel, Kayla Pace. So let's jump right back into the mailbag. Next question comes in from Michael Parsons. He says, theoretical, Falcons call the Jets. They love Trey Lance, want to sit him behind Matt Ryan, but they're nervous that the 49ers may pick him. They call asking to trade up with the Jets, knowing that they would be picking Lance at number two. Would you do it? And what would it take for you to deal from two to four? So no, I wouldn't do it because I'd want to take Zach Wilson. And if you leave the number two pick, you're not getting him because the 49ers are going to pick him at three if the Falcons take Trey Lance. And I'm not anti-Justin Fields. I'm just more pro Zach Wilson. So I would pick Wilson over Fields. That being the case, I would stay at number two. If I was going to move down, though, I'd probably want a first round pick to move from two to four. Might even want more than that, I guess, depending on what the other teams are calling up and offering, but I would be asking for the sun, the moon, and the stars, especially if I know that the team that's calling me is desperate to jump the team that's directly in front of them. So I wouldn't move, but if I did, it would take a lot. To me, it just seems kind of like a dumb trade from all sides. I don't know why the Falcons would even want to do that. Um, and I don't think Trey Lance is that overly impressive, and I think that they've got plenty of good years left in Matt Ryan. Um, but... Yeah, I, I wouldn't do it either because like it, and the thing is, too, I'm not sold on any one quarterback at this point. Like I go between Fields and Wilson all the time and I've watched a lot of both of them. And it's just like, I, I don't know. I don't know which one I want. And I'm not going to commit to one because there's certain games where I'm just like, oh, it has to be him. And then I flip flop. So I am just kind of going on the idea of I'm going to trust what Sala and Joe Douglas want to do. So if they want their guy, don't don't move. Like if they have a guy in mind that they want, like 
I, I don't think that they would move, but I, no, I want them to build exactly how they see this panning out. Cause I, for the first time in a long time, I feel like we have two really great minds running the team. So let's go with what they're, they want to do. Like I'm fine with whatever they choose. El Gringo asks, is tight end a bigger priority in the draft than we realize? Love Chris Herndon, but this team needs somebody who can play 17 games. They need somebody that can play 17 games, and they need somebody that can actually catch the ball. I know Herndon played a little bit better at the end of the year, but really, he's not been good. I know that he flashed his rookie year. He had a couple of nice games, but if you look back at his tape, he wasn't anywhere near as impressive as a lot of people were making him out to be. I think this is just one of those things where Jets fans are so starved for good young offensive talent that they see a guy make some nice catches and all of a sudden, oh, this guy's going to be a top 10 tight end. I wouldn't be banking on Chris Herndon at all. And I've said this before. If there was a scenario where the Jets could have used Sam Darnold to trade up in the first round and find a way to get Kyle Pitts, I totally would have done it. There's no way they're getting Kyle Pitts now because Kyle Pitts is going to go in the top 10, maybe even the top five. So you can forget about that. But would I take a tight end if there was one I liked in the draft? Perhaps Brevin Jordan from Miami? Yeah, because they do need a tight end, realistically. Herndon is completely unproven. I wouldn't be surprised if Wesco gets released outright. Ryan Griffin was a huge disappointment last year. So I don't really know that the Jets have anything at tight end to hang their hat on. And if they can get somebody like Jordan in the draft, absolutely it would be worth looking into. Oh, so you want another Miami tight end. That's a that's an interesting theory right there. <laughs> Scout the player, not the helmet, Kayla. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Um, so, okay. I think I would take a tight end. Um, I mean, Chris Herndon has been like the ultimate disappointment for me because I think like he said, like starved for an offensive playmaker. Um, after that first season, I was like, I was like, okay, I'm drafting him in fantasy. And I told everyone to draft him in fantasy and that didn't work out. And then again, I was like, he'll bounce back this year. He'll bounce back. And like after this season, I'm just like, you know what? I'm not going to draft Chris Herndon again. Like the, the tra- that ship has sailed. Like a train has left the station. Um, so I am not going to rely my like personal pride on him anymore. Um, I think that I was kind of surprised, honestly, that he wasn't like cut halfway through last season. I, I like after what I was watching, I was like, there's no way this guy can still be on the team next week. And then like small improvement at the end, but. I mean, nothing, like you said, nothing we can hang our hats on. So um, I would take a tight end. I mean, as for what I have in mind, I mean, what would be cool, though, is I think that there's a solid chance that the Falcons uh, will draft Kyle Pitts. And I would love to snag Hayden Hurst from the Falcons, another South Carolina guy. And I promise that's not why. Like, he's great. I did have him on my fantasy team and he scored a touchdown like every week. So I'll take that. Bring him in. Next question comes in from Harry Skillman. He says, do you think Joe Douglas is more likely to use the abundance of picks to trade back into the first round from 34 or back into the second round from 66? Who do you think they might target in these scenarios? Also, what am I missing with Warren Sharp's tweet about the haul that the team got for Sam Darnold being either the equivalent of a mid first rounder or a high first rounder? That doesn't seem right. Basically, the way that the value was calculated was if the Panthers have the 10th overall pick in the draft next year. So figuring the second and fourth rounder and then the sixth rounder this year, which is very high, that was where they came up with it. 
I think it was over the cap that had it valued at the seventh overall pick in the draft next year under that scenario and football perspective had it at 17th in the draft. I saw Daniel Jeremiah put something together where he had it as being an early second round pick based on the trade value chart. It's probably somewhere in between all of that. I would say late first next year, early second, somewhere in that range. But that's still pretty good value considering that Darnold was heading into the final year of the cheap part of his rookie deal. And as far as trading up into the first round or the second round from 34 or 66, it's so hard to say. I think Joe Douglas is a guy that likes to play his board and see who's available and what he wants to do based on the number of guys that he likes that are still there. Last year is a perfect example. He traded down in the second round and still got Denzel Mims because clearly there were a significant number of players that he liked that he was comfortable taking by trading down. By contrast, he put together a deal to move up in the first round from number 11 if he needed to, if one of the tackles that he wanted was still on the board and he was afraid he wasn't going to get a crack at them. That didn't happen because both Jedrick Wills and Mekhi Becton were on the board. Once the Jacksonville Jaguars were on the board at number nine, that's who they had put that deal together with because they wanted to make sure they could jump the Browns if they needed to. However, because they knew the Jaguars weren't picking a lineman and the Browns were going to pick one of those two, the Jets knew that they could get the other so they didn't make the move, but they were prepared to do it based on how the board fell. So I can't give you a definitive answer. I think that Douglas is just going to play the board and see if there are certain players that he likes that fell. For example, Kale and I were talking about J.C. Horn. If Joe Douglas loves J.C. Horn anywhere near as much as we do, then if he drops to the late teens or as Jordan Reed had it in his mock draft over at the Draft Network, drops to, say, 20, then Douglas might think it's worth it to move one of the third-round picks, maybe the Seattle pick, to go up and get J.C. Horn. You could make that case for a wide receiver or an offensive lineman, too. Tevin Jenkins is somebody that I know our friend Nick Spano over at U Stadium loves, so maybe they can make a move for somebody like that. Either way, I think they'll play the board, they'll see who's there, and then they'll figure out what they want to do. So, Kayla, what do you think? More likely to move up from 34 into the first round or 66 into the second round, and... What do you make of the value that the Jets got for Sam Darnold? Do you think it's somewhere in that high range, that football perspective, and over the cap had, or do you think it's a little bit lower, more along the lines of what Daniel Jeremiah had? Yeah, so I'll start with uh, the value for Sam. Um, so once you start getting into all of like the, the averages and the numbers, you start to lose me a little bit. But I think as the general haul of what they got for him, um, I was pretty happy with it. I mean, I was getting to a point where I was nervous about finding someone that wanted to give them enough that they'd even want to trade him. Like, not that I thought that they were going to just stick with Sam this season, but I did think like they might have trouble moving him for the price that they wanted. So when I saw what they got, I was happy with it. Um, I think that, uh, be, I mean, really, like, I love Sam and I think that he's great and I really hope he's successful. But the Panthers are really rolling the dice here. Like, I mean, people are what, – what are they going off here? Like, his a couple of throws that he's made, like, what, that one Cowboys game? Like, I, I don't know. Like, it's it's tough. And, like, if you're holding on to, like, what he did in college or just, like, his tangible qualities, like, that's, that's tough. And, like, there's a good shot that it doesn't pan out. So I think that what we got or what the Jets got is 
like more than appropriate. I think that, and the cool part about it too, is I think like the, with the value and with what Joe Douglas does on the draft board, we're going to be able to flip those for very valuable picks. So I like, I'm fine with that. Um, and then, so trading, I think he's probably more likely to trade up into the second because it would take less of a large package to do so. Um, I think Douglas is overall, like from a theory standpoint, probably a more picks, like I want to make more picks as opposed to less picks kind of guy. But like what you said, yeah, we've clearly seen it. Like he's prepared to do whatever it takes to get the player that he wants. So, I mean, at the end of the day, that's what he's going to do. But I think that the way Douglas operates, it appears that he's going to want the chance to hit on more players and bring more talent in if he can. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Next question comes in from Godson5. He says, should the Jets change uniforms again and complete this transformation? Brand new everything. Kayla, you and I were talking about this before we started recording. And bless you if the uniforms are important to you. I just don't really care. And I know Paulie Brzez, who's a friend of mine, is huge on this. And we did episodes when they changed the uniform because... I know that it's important to a lot of people that are Jets fans, and so I want to make sure that we cover it when they do something. But as far as whether I want them to change uniforms, whatever, change them, don't change them, it doesn't matter to me. I know that some people would love to see them changed, and if they did it, I wouldn't be upset about it. But at the same time, all I want is a good football team. I don't care if they have the ugliest uniforms on earth. As long as they win games and go to the playoffs, that's all I'm looking for. So, Kayla, I don't know if you have a different point of view on this, but that's where I'm at with the uniforms. Change them, don't change them, whatever. Just go win football games. Yeah, I'm definitely a team win football games above all else. But, I mean, hey, I think it's great that some people take that on as a passion project. If you're into it, good for you. I personally enjoy reading some of the banter about it. kind of just makes me laugh. Um, But I think that the uniforms we have now look decent on the field, certain colors, but are really ugly up close when, like, a fan wears one. So, for me, I think that um, the uniform... Cool. If you change it, I would like it to look a little bit more vintage, I guess, if I had an opinion, um, if I were like, if I were to give one at least, but at the end of the day, I mean, I have a couple Jets jerseys in the back of my closet. None of them are wearable anymore. Um, and they're never going to leave. So I don't really care <laughs> that much what those look like. Um, I will say though, I did get a really cool gift for Christmas last year. I got a throwback boomer size in jets jersey hanging in my closet i guess technically i could still wear that one but um it's pretty cool i like it but i don't think that's my speed either i don't want to go back to those i have a rule when it comes to jerseys i'll only buy jerseys of players whose numbers are either retired or i know they're going to be retired because i feel like otherwise i'm jinxing that player And it's going to go poorly for him. So I will not be buying jerseys of any of the new Jets. I'm going to wait that (laughs) one out. My go-to Jets jersey is a Curtis Martin jersey because you can never go wrong with that one. Yeah, as it should be. I mean, and like today I was on my phone and, you know, like iPhones pop up with like the old memories or whatever. And the picture that popped up today was me and my dad standing in front of MetLife, me in a Jamal Adams jersey and him in the Darnold jersey. And I was like, oh, this sucks. I was like, I didn't want to remember this today. So... And that's exactly why my rule exists. Next question comes in from CC716. He says, if Joe Douglas is as smart as most NFL executives say he is, then he learned from Mike McCagnan's mistakes. 
you'd have to figure he'll understand that unlike what happened with Darnold where he was not surrounded with a great supporting cast, whoever the new quarterback is will need good offensive linemen, good receivers, etc. to put him in a better situation. What do you think? Yeah, obviously. And I do think that they're going to use most of these picks on offense. I think they'll get a cornerback and a linebacker, maybe an edge rusher too, but corner and inside linebacker are two pretty dire needs right now, which is why I wish they would go sign Steven Nelson. But that's a whole other discussion for another day. They need a corner. They need a linebacker. I'd like to see them make moves there. But beyond that, they really need to load up on offensive line and playmakers if they want the new quarterback to be successful. There's no question about it. Again, we could debate how much Sam Darnold played into his own destruction, but we can absolutely agree that the Jets did nothing to help him get to the best that he could be. And if they want this new quarterback to succeed, they've got to do better than that for him. Yeah, and I think in terms of like things that Joe Douglas has learned, I mean, he was in Philly and helped put together a roster that won a Super Bowl. And, like, I mean, obviously things are not looking great in Philly right now, but that's just because everyone got old and crumbled. And um, I just think that, like, that wasn't a sustainable model, but Joe Douglas was a part of putting together a roster that won a Super Bowl. And, like, that can't be understated, really, because he knows what pieces work and where they're supposed to go and how it's all going to come together. Um, And I think that that's important. And I think that also there's kind of a clear model for what the Jets need to do right now. Um, I think if you take a look at the Arizona Cardinals, like that's kind of where it's lining up. I mean, we don't have the first overall pick, but Jets have number two. They have a new head coach and he can pick out his quarterback and run with it. And like we've seen the steady improvement of the Cardinals over the year, like the last couple seasons and um, and how like, you know, there was a solid chunk of this season where they looked like they could be playoff contenders. They played really great opponents really well. Um, and I think that like, if you just go that route, like try to, I don't want to say copy, but put the Joe Douglas, Robert Sala flair on it. And that could be great. It could end up panning out. And obviously we don't know how the Cardinals are going to turn out, but I like the model of what they're doing there. And I think there's plenty of examples across the league of how this has worked. I mean, if Joe Douglas is a smart guy with friends around the league, he's seeing it too. And, um, I'm sure that there's more going on behind the scenes and we'll ever really know, but it's like, I mean, I'm sure they, they all talk. And um, Joe Douglas, if he's if he's really smart, he's thinking about all of these things. He's considered all of these options, and he's looking at the models that are out there and are working. Kayla, final question, and this one comes in from me. I need to know about your pizza preferences because that's a big thing on this show. Chris and I talk a lot about what we like with pizza. So what are some of your favorite pizza places and some pizza toppings and styles? I like regular cheese pizza along with Sicilian, big fan of the Sicilian. I like thick crust, I like thin crust, so I like a little bit of everything. And I've always said New York pizza still tops New Jersey pizza, but New Jersey's got some really good pizza too. Tell me a little bit about your pizza preferences, because this is something that inquiring minds need to know. Okay, so um, I have lived i like grew up in new jersey and i've lived in south carolina and texas and people hate hearing me talk about this because i am a north jersey new york pizza snob as one would expect um and all all of my friends from the south really hate hearing about it so hopefully they're not listening or hopefully they are honestly but (laughs) um i like my pizza with penne vodka on top of it that is my favorite slice that will always be my favorite slice 
Um, people like to laugh at me and say that I like to have two meals, pizza, whatever else is on top of it. Um, I also eat a lot of chicken parm pizza, but my family is a big like chicken parm household. We have a spot in my town called Tony D's. We also have like, I mean, I'm sure most North Jersey towns have this, but we probably have like 10 pizza places, maybe more in our five square mile town. So um, there's plenty of options. And we have this place called Tony D's and they do like thinner crust pizza with like a bunch of like specialty toppings. And the one I get from there is called the Avellino and it has like sausage and ricotta cheese and bacon on top of it. So, I mean, not that I can't appreciate a good cheese slice because love me a good cheese slice, but if we're talking toppings, those are my go-tos. And we also have Forte in my town and they do a good chicken bacon branch. Mm -hmm. I do eat a lot of pizza. This is, this is right up my alley. Good answer. You're going to fit right in around here. <laughs> Kayla Pace, thank you so much for joining me for this mailbag this weekend. And if you haven't checked out the first three episodes of Pace's Playbook over on our YouTube channel, go ahead and do that. They're awesome. There's going to be more episodes to come. So if you haven't subscribed to our YouTube channel yet, go ahead and do that. And if you haven't given us a five-star review on iTunes yet, go ahead and do that as well. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. It doesn't take you much time. doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and playlikeajet.com.